I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for October 19th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, $39,339.60 is the total amount in USD paid at an auction for a factory-sealed first edition iPhone. Now, this serves as an important reminder for us all to never throw out absolutely anything to, you know, just in case it appreciates in value, whether it's your holographic Charizard or your original Blackberry, whatever you got in there, you got to keep it. And Jay, I do have to ask you though, how much do you think your first edition of that beloved Pixel that you have would go for what? $300, $400? I don't have a Pixel, but I do have something that is still in the wrapping that has not appreciated at all that I got about this time last year, my Justin Bieber Tukes from Tim Hortons. That's right. I just looked on eBay. They're selling for less than I bought them for, so I'm not really one to ask about what will appreciate and what will not. No, no, Jay, it's too early to tell. You got to wait that the iPhone, the first iPhone came out in 2008, I think. And so yeah. if you wait another 12 years, those Bieber Tukes, they could be to the moon. You could be getting thousands for them. Uh, let's hope so, Brett. Then I can afford, if I sell them for a million dollars, then I can actually buy the first edition iPhone. Yeah. And by the way, like, what are you going to do with it? You can't open it. You can't use yeah. it. I'm not even sure it would work these days. At least the toque you can wear. For sure. <laughs> Brett, aside from things we're keeping and not selling, what do we have for Peak Pals today? So for our first story, we're starting to friend shore with trade partners. For our second story, banks are reinventing themselves. And for our third story, Meta is selling Giphy after buying them. We'll get into it. For our first story, the hot new trend in global trade is friend shoring, which means shrinking economic ties with countries you disagree with and increasing with nations you'd like to grab a beer with. Brett, which country would you want to friend shore? Jay, I thought about this and I'm going to go with New Zealand. I think it's the friendliest country I've been to. Pretty chill, relaxed, no real global tensions there. But Jay, it's not about us. Friendshoring is on the rise as Western countries shift trade to friendly partners to cut dependencies on totalitarian regimes, most notably China and Russia. Recent examples of friendshoring include the U.S.'s measures to cut China out of electric vehicle supply chains and the EU's proposed ban on slave labor imports. That sounds like a good thing. Yeah. And look, here's why it's all happening. Amidst frosty geopolitical relations, Canada wants to strengthen its supply chains against vulnerability caused by relying on potentially unpredictable partners. Yeah, the unpredictable partners have become very unpredictable, Brett. And this all matters because the rise of friendshoring marks a retreat from globalization and offshoring, which is the practice of shifting manufacturing to countries with cheap labor like China. Now, the WTO projects that global trade will increase by only 1% next year. That's a drastic drop from previous estimates. Friendshoring, that could drive down this number even further. Friendshoring could also help supply chains long-term by creating more reliable suppliers, while partnerships with Indo-Pacific countries could fill the cheap labor gap. But in terms of your wallet, it could mean short-term supply shocks and costlier goods as companies are forced to source items from countries with pricier labor. Now, let's zoom out, Brett. Zoop. Zoop. <laughs> Canada won't abruptly stop trading with China, though exports have steadily decreased this year. But embracing friendshoring is a marked shift in relations with its second biggest trade partner. For our second story, as deals slow and tech grows, old school banks are reinventing themselves to keep up. Now, Jay, this reminds me of that meme where it's like a old, you know, it's a famous actor. I don't know his name, but he has a skateboard and he walks in this kid's school and he says, what's up, fellow kids? It reminds me a lot of that. 
Especially which bank is going on TikTok or Be Real or Gas or whatever app the kids are on these days. They better not do this. It will be a really bad sign. But Goldman Sachs, one of the world's most important financial institutions, is restructuring its business to streamline work and improve its digital offerings. Yeah, David Solomon, the bank CEO, and by the way, a part-time DJ, and I'm serious about that, he plays shows, is on a mission to stay with the times by prioritizing tech investments that could otherwise render the bank obsolete. This is his third major restructuring of the firm in the last four years. He just loves restructuring and DJing, apparently. Well, the bank will combine its investment banking and trading units, its asset and wealth management arms, and create a third unit for digital banking platforms. And this is important because Goldman is an elite investment bank, elite shape, but it's starting to resemble some of its less prestigious competitors lately, offering a wide range of services, including bank accounts for lowly retail customers like you and I. <laughs> like you and I. As rising interest rates make money more expensive, the economy slows and tech-forward challenges attract new clients. Older banks, well, they're adapting to survive. But before you start feeling too bad for these rich and powerful firms, know that Goldman is doing fine after posting a 5% jump in profits from the previous quarter. That's a lot of profits. The bottom line is rivals like JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley have taken steps like combining their trading investment banking units already, while Credit Suisse is approaching a deadline for its restructuring plan, although that's being driven by like more scandalous causes, not trying to keep up with the very young Joneses. For our third story, Meta is selling Giphy after UK regulators ruled that its ownership of the popular GIF platform restricts consumer choice and hurts competition both in the ad and social media markets. And the last thing we want to do, Jay, is hurt consumer choice when it comes to GIFs. Maybe Goldman Sachs wants to buy Giphy. Anyway, this is the second time UK regulators have ordered Meta to sell Giphy after the company purchased it for about $400 million in 2020. But this time, Meta backed down. Regulators argued that Meta could abuse its market power by denying access to Giphy or changing its terms of access. For example, Meta could have required competitors, including arch-rival TikTok, duh, 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 to provide more user data to access GIFs. If you're wondering why there's so much stink over these little moving images, it's because over 10 billion, with a B, 10 billion GIFs are exchanged daily between Giphy's 700 million daily users. But Meta might have trouble shopping the platform because in case you didn't know, GIFs, they're out as young internet users. And by the way, some peak readers will add, deem them cringe. Yeah, they are kind of cringe, but I still love them, but I'm older. Anyway, and this matters because this is the first time the UK has put the kibosh on a deal by a Silicon Valley giant. Plus, Europe's continued effort to rein in big tech are finally being felt across the pond over here. Now, once again, and this is the last time we'll do it today, Jay, to zoom out. Regulators around the globe have made it clear that the 2010s heydays of tech buyouts where deals like this went through without anyone batting an eye, that's over. That is so 2010. What's the gift for it's over? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll never know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Brett. And really, thank you, Giphy, for all the entertainment you've given me over the years. Thank you.